When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me as always, my good friend, Jim Stam. How you doing, brother? Doing good, man. Uh, weather's not great. I look for little signs that baseball may be around the corner. When I see Alex's face, that's a hint that it might be. <laughs> so, you know, I'll take the little, the little things right now. So, Look at Jim blowing the lead. So we have no... <laughs> We have no video on this episode, so you know we're a little bit relaxed today, which is kind of nice. And you guys also had the benefit of not seeing Alex Stump, the beat writer for the Pittsburgh Pirates over at DK Pittsburgh Sports, sitting here with us. Welcome to the show, Alex. It's been a while, brother. Hey, thanks for having me back on. And benefit? We're going to go with benefit here? I, yeah, I think. I mean, right, I think we right. have to, right? All right. So... The first thing I wanted to start with, because uh, I think it's 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 an interesting topic. We talked about it a little bit in in uh, Twitter spaces we did last week, Jim and I. Mm-hmm. Trevor Bauer has officially been released by the Dodgers. Okay, now I'm not endorsing his behavior or anything, but somebody's going to take a crack at him. He's only going to be about, what, $750,000 for somebody to pick him up. If the Pirates did that, Alex, could you make the argument they have the best rotation in the NL Central? I love watching I think love watching that. him Just squirm. I love watching him squirm. I wish people could see what like what the body language was. Just this now. is this is now a video episode. Like this, <laughs> we gotta upload this in some way. Wow. I, I, I'm gonna start off by saying that I have not heard anything to indicate that the Pittsburgh Pirates are at all interested in Trevor Bauer. And given Trevor Bauer's history, I'm not going to speculate on you know on anything like that. So I'll, I'll just subtract Bauer here from the equation of where the Pittsburgh Pirates stand in this rotation in the NL Central, because I think it's not there. It's fairly favorably because we saw Rowanzi Contreras last year. Wow. For a little bit. And there were some hiccups and we can point to specific things that he was doing that led to those hiccups. Like he was tipping for a while. And, you know, young kids like, well, there's not hitting me whenever I'm tipping. Who cares? And then he gives up seven runs in Milwaukee. And boy, oh boy, you want to guess what what the bullpen work was that week? It was, all right, let's stop tipping. We got to fix this. (laughs) You got to learn some stuff like that in the majors. Mitch Keller, that second half was great. That was the Mitch Keller everyone thought they were going to see since 2019. He put up half a season like that. And yeah, you could say it's only half a season, but the way he did it with the stuff, with the mentality, now he has an offseason to refine and grow. I think there's a 
good chance he could do it over a whole year. So if you have those two guys leading the way and you have these prospects like Priester, like Burroughs, like Luis Ortiz, who whenever he got called up, like I had a scout immediately text me afterwards, like best pitcher in the system. I'm like, well, wait a minute. There's some pretty good pitchers in this system. And then I see him in person. I'm like, oh, oh, he's the best pitcher in the system. I get it now. (laughs) He's throwing 100 miles per hour in the sixth inning at the top of the zone. Not a lot of guys can do that. Jim texted me, like, I think his second game. Where the hell did this guy come from? (laughs) I'm guilty of this, too. Like, like, I, I had heard a little bit about him from, like, guys I have at Altoona. Like, hey, he's really good. But then whenever... It happens like he's the best pitcher in the system. It's just avoiding that one big inning. Like you can look at game blocks. He had like a four something ERA, but if you take away like literally like six or seven innings, it was like two something. So it just avoid the big inning, learn how to correct mistakes. That comes with being a rookie. But there's talent in this rotation. I'm kind of Vince Velasquez pilled, I think. I think Rich Hill is someone who, even if he doesn't contribute all that much as a starter. Great guy to have in the clubhouse. Great guy to have teach. Brubaker is a serviceable, serviceable back-end guy. Like I, I just look at this. This is the first time since I've been covering the team that I look at this group of pitchers that they have, and they aren't an inning or two away from starting Tyler Beatty. Yeah, and, you like and the backing games. of it, too, I think, a little yeah. bit more. The backing of it. You, which some of which you touched on talking about Ortiz, mm-hmm. but Oviedo didn't necessarily look horrible last year. In fact, his last few starts, I thought he was looking like mm-hmm. almost a lock to be in this rotation. Now I'm not so sure. It, but- it, it, it could happen. It could be a six man to start the year. It could be maybe we saw him piggyback in the past. We've seen him do uh, the hybrid roles, anything. I, I don't think, Oviedo is still viewed as a starter right now. Whether he starts would, here as a starter or whatever it is, he's still viewed as a starter. I could see that. So you're saying it stacks up regardless of the whole Trevor Bauer nonsense, which admittedly <laughs> was a joke. Even though, yes, yeah, I know. Jim, I, but you know, even it, though Jim and I are absolutely going to go out and tweet that you were on board with one hundred percent. We've got a day to, before this actually drops. You could really make me sweat for you know twenty four hours. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, Jim, for real, when you look at the rotation stacked up against the rest of the NL Central, mm-hmm. what do you think? I mean, we've looked at it as, you know, a collective that the Pirates were putting together. We saw little pieces they're bringing in and pieces they already had and pieces that might be coming and what we thought it would look like at the end of the year versus the beginning. Now let's look at it based on what the other teams in the Central have done. Well, that's... That's the key, I think. That's where it does get interesting. I think if you try to stack them up against maybe other teams and other divisions, there's still some work to do, obviously. And we've still got some questions to answer. But in the Central, you at least give yourself a fighting chance, I think, with the rotation the way it is. And I'll tell you, too, like, it's funny. We sit here, and I love Twitter because you can go back and just look at, like, your old tweets. And reading about what I said about Luis Ortiz in September, I mean, like, this was just, I mean, this was me from September. It, it wasn't just the velocity of Lu- Luis Ortiz that was eye-popping, although hitting 106 was. 
But the run on his fastball, getting ahead in the count, the slider, the confidence was all there. I was just blown away. And we're all conservative, I think, when we talk about guys yeah. and not getting too ahead of ourselves, right? I, w- I was embarrassed about what I was saying almost because my eyes were telling me that this guy is 100% the real deal. So, like, and you throw the Cardinals him- game happened. Well, yes, but, <laughs> but he's a rookie. He's allowed a bad start. Yeah, absolutely. Right. He is. But I'm just saying there's a lot of people that right then I think needed that for their off season health because yeah. otherwise, well, that's, they were going to come in with, they were going to come in with Oviedo being the rookie of the year or not Oviedo Ortiz being the rookie of the year, Cy Young. And um, he's the number one. We could probably trade Rwanzi now, you know, like all sorts of stuff would, would have happened if he had not had one stinker there. And, and yeah. And like Alex said, you, you look, you're allowed a bad start. He had a really bad start. The other ones were crazy, crazy good. Um, I do like the fact of what uh, Alex was saying about Oviedo is this is where, right now. Look, you put in that work, you stretched him out. I think it'd be, you know, too soon, too quick. I like him as a starter. We'll see where it goes. Um, I'm just glad that that seems to be the plan right now. I would hate to see them just put him back in like long relief or middle relief right now. Yeah. And maybe it happens, you know, just, you know, like one of those like long, like, okay, you're in the bullpen, but you're really not because you're going a couple innings here. Every single time, like piggyback, there's a way he's going to get innings. He wasn't yeah. just here to be an up down guy or a reliever. Like that was a big stipulation in the Jose Quintana trade. They weren't going to make that trade unless they got a major league starting pitcher, someone that they thought could be that type of guy. And that's that's a great point, man. Let's let's take a quick break and let's use this as backing to kind of talk about. Something Derek Shelton's not had yet until this year, and that's options. And maybe he loses a place to hide in the process. Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Gary and Alex and Jim, we're all chilling. We're talking about an improved roster. I mean, there's an awful lot of things to, to be upset about still out there. And uh, I understand that. But the roster has to look better to you if you're at all serious. Most of the holes are at least competently filled, I would say. Yeah. So I'm- when you look at it, Alex, my big question really is, is it fair to finally evaluate Derek Shelton? He's got pieces now. You can't go, hey, who was he going to pull out of that bullpen? Hey, who was he going to put in that lineup? They should be 26 decent now. Yeah, and they they can be. I mean, if the bullpen stays healthy, I think it can be a strength for the team. Of course, I say that. After Bednar and Holderman and De Los Santos and it, it basically everyone besides 
Chase DeYoung, you know, spent time on the injured list at some point last year. So it's that's a big caveat with all this. This is I, I don't want to say it's a free ride, but this is going to be a different year of evaluation for Derek Shelton because a lot of what he was brought on to do early was help build the culture, help that clubhouse, you know, rehab where it was after a pretty dismal end of 2019. Like that clubhouse was in a real bad shape, you know, at the end of that year. Yeah. What do you do? He, he took over some front office stuff, some player development stuff that a lot of major league managers just wouldn't. But because of the lockout, because of the COVID season and the time, he, he just took it upon himself to have a better understanding of who is in the system and have those relationships whenever they came out. He did a lot of things right, given what he had. And yeah, it was a lot of losses. They are getting the first overall draft pick for the second time after he was a manager for three years. That's not a good sign. That said... There's more talent here. I, I don't think he has to pull off a 2022 Orioles for him to, you know, firmly establish, hey, you know, I am the guy for the job, but he has to show something. Because if this team is another 100-ish lost team, you know, arm's length, give or take, it's like there are too many young players on this team. Yeah. And there are a couple major league guys who look established at this point. So if you lose 100 games again, either A – the kids aren't making that jump to the major leagues. And yeah, that's tough, but some of them have to, or the guys that you have up in the major leagues aren't growing. In either case, I think you can start to point fingers at the coaching staff of like, hey, this is year four for a lot of you guys. Where is the growth? Where is the improvement? These are the guys that we have to win with if this organization is ever going to win. I mean, Jim Shakalaka, Jim, that's the <clears throat> point, right? I mean, it's time to to look at the coaching. What does success look like to you? What do we see differently? I mean, I mean every fan is going to hate bullpen moves. I mean, I don't care how good you are or how good your bullpen is. Every fan is going to hate bullpen moves. What does success really look like here? Yeah, well, I mean, let's let's be honest. When you go to your bullpen – it's either, unless it works out perfectly, you're the villain, right? You, you've yeah. either taken them out too long, uh, t- uh, you know, too early. Uh, you've left them in too long, or you've made the wrong call to the bullpen, and you shouldn't have brought in that guy to do it. I mean, there's so many ways to, um, you know, find fault there. And hey, that's just that's just the nature of uh, of the game and how things work. Um, I am interested though, in some of that, like to answer your question is there's gotta be some improvement wins and losses. I think first and foremost, I think that's the first time you're going to, you're going to judge him on that. Um, there's enough pieces here now that that has to be fair. Yeah. 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 We can't just say, okay, we're seeing a little bit of improvement on the field. Well, I think that has to translate to a step forward and some more wins. What that is. I don't know. I'm not going to get into uh, nailing down a number. I don't want to get, uh, so you're not going to say 72 or best. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not going down that road. We don't need that again. What a um, sentence that is in I general. Mean, <laughs> Alex, he is a lame duck, correct? Shelty? They they haven't secretly extended him and not told us, have they? 
No, no, there hasn't been anything, and everything is reported as reported right now is this is the last year of his contract. I think it's possible that if they show something, even if it's not you know a five hundred record or seventy two wins or bust, that he could get a short term extension to show okay now you got these guys to go. But I don't see that happening before the season. I guess. It'd be like right. a show us something here, and then at the end of the year, okay, here's a one or two year deal. Make him a playoff team now, and if you do, okay, you actually are the guy because this has really been, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, three year tryout, sure. an experimentation of okay, can this work with coaching? Can we build you know this up? Can we have it so whenever these guys come up, they hit the ground running? But it was basically a three year audition, and now it's. Time for the performance to put up or shut up. I would agree with all of that. Um, even your potential extension structure there. At some point, though, when you have a lame duck coach with a really young team, and Jim, you can pitch in on this too. Don't uh-huh. you think there there comes a point where you're starting to formulate plans for players that know they're going to be there longer than you're sure to be there? You know, there there comes like a weird period where you're like, hey, so what I want you to work on this off season is, and they're kind of looking at you like, we ain't even going to be here, coach. <laughs> you know, I we, think that we've got like 64 wins. You're, you know, like you ain't going to be here. Who are you telling me to practice? Come on now. I ain't learning no cutter. You I definitely mean, what do you want, think? You definitely want this stuff to line up a little better, right? Um, and I, I would say that young guys, I don't know, you might get away with it even more. I think veterans might be the ones that also look at it and go, I'm not listening to this guy. We know he's a dead man walking type situation. I think it could go both ways. Um, I think I mean, Rich be- Hill could just coach them then, you know, if, if that's the case, because he's probably about to join their ranks anyway. <laughs> In the next he's, year or so. He's Tom, he's Tom Brady-esque years old. That's that's for sure. Right. But, you know, I just I, – I would think so. I think it would be really interesting is if, if – and not in a good way – is if they got off to a really, really bad start and yeah. then uh, we're sitting at the middle of the year or the all-star Because then break. you're talking about hot seat, like, for real, because they might want to get a head start on that next guy, right? Yeah, I mean, could then, like, it is such a cr- crucial year. Are you just sticking with them to the end and then just watch this, like, dog days of summer play out and nothing, nothing's going all that well? We're so nice yeah. for leaving Alex out of this whole thing so that he can still talk <laughs> to Derek because, right. like, I'm just, I'm not even going to Alex and asking him because I can see the pain in his eyes. He's like, I don't want to even touch well, this. I, like, I, I have you know, to talk about what t-shirt he freaking wears. Like, I don't want to. And I hate to even suggest that, but what that that's a scenario, right? I mean, yeah, let's right. hope not. It has to be, I think. So, uh, Alex, my big question for you about the coaching would be, is he going to be able to coach? Or is he going to be getting told what to do from the GM box? Because, you know, I think there's a lot of, we want to see X guy get X amount of at-bats is that kind of going to end this year and let him try to coach to win? I mean, I think that always has to be in mind with whatever we're talking player development. And look, I'm not that he will ever admit it or anything like that. I'm sure there would be some positions where he's like, I, I think I would like to just bring this guy up, you know, and, and let's have that. But 
you know, he, he stated publicly, you know, without even me asking, it just kind of blurted out, you know, at the winter meetings that Henry Davis and Andy Rodriguez are going to start the year in the minors. Yeah. And he definitely wanted that out of the way. Yeah. You're right. Which I don't know if that was a preemptive strike because that was my first question <laughs> in, in spring training this last year. It was, does O'Neill Cruz have a chance of making the opening day, opening day team? And I, I can't remember the the response, but it was a very roundabout way of saying no. <laughs> and he was, he was ready for you this time. Yeah. And, and I think that's what kind of it comes up with to Jim's point. Like if this season really just April is just a disaster. Like if what happens here, because I don't think any of these guys are going to be up until May or June at the absolute soonest. So what happens Absolutely. then? I mean, do you, do you really pull the plug after three plus years and never let him, you know, try with the real fruits of the labor that, of what's been done? I don't think you can do that. I don't, I don't think that's fair, but I don't know. He, he has kept the clubhouse, and I always bring that up because lesser men would have lost a clubhouse after those three years. Like Hurdle, Hurdle was uh, p- considered a player's manager, and he lost that clubhouse in the matter of weeks. All right, that's how fast something like this could, you know, just turn like that. And and not to crap on your idea, but just more of a counterpoint there. Hurdle was shepherding a team that was trying to hold it together, and Shelton was shepherding a team that was under constant change. Yeah. So the team he has now doesn't look anything like the team he inherited. So. Maybe a little easier to hold a clubhouse when it's constantly changing. I would argue that it's probably harder whenever you come in and you just see they use 68 players last year. I mean, how could that be? How do you manage 68 egos for varying portions of the season to make sure that there is no, you know, rat in the soup? Like it's, it's tough. I give him an immense amount of credit for that because there were guys in September, it, whenever they lost to the Yankees in September, that game where uh, Giancarlo Stanton hit the grand slam, that clubhouse was silent. And I, I go back to whenever I was doing this in 2019, if they lost a game like that, like they'd be upset. Like, no, they were like distraught. They were like, we thought we had this win. And it's like, this game means literally nothing. Right. It means literally nothing outside of perhaps some draft positioning, but they were still playing hard down the stretch. As long as as this team's playing hard, I still see Shelton having his job. If something like that changes, I think we'll see a change. I don't see anything to indicate that there would be, you know, a change and, you know, he loses the clubhouse right now. You've been building up to this point. You got to let him work with the tools that, he just hasn't had. This is going to be the most talented roster that he's had. Opening day is probably going to be the most talented roster he's ever had. And I think it's only going to get better as this season goes on and these kids come up. I think, I think that's it- all 100% salient on your part. I think that's exactly the way I look at it. My big question for you, Jim, is yeah. Ben Charrington had to have known that everything was going to culminate based on what he would bring brought in and the timelines and, and, and things that were happening mm-hmm. was going to culminate in this all coming together to this point in Derek Shelton's last year. Why not just give him a couple extra years when you first did it so that you don't come up to this point or 
you know, I, that's, that's where I go with it is you set this up to automatically force yourself into a lame duck situation. Why would you do that? It's, it's a good question. I, I, I don't know. Um, maybe they're just not going to approach it in the traditional sense. And, uh, you know, that, that, that the expectations are measured from within instead of wins and losses. And they'll just want to see what they want to see this year. And if they're comfortable tacking on a year or two, maybe they'll do it. Maybe, maybe in mid season, they would do it. Hopefully if things were going well, I, I don't know, but you'd also get the flip side of that guys, which would be if you did it now. Well, I mean, that seems a, premature too until 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 we see something here i mean so how how do you how do you get that right right now i don't know that you do and alex i'm not sure that he'll ever win over the fan base because let's be honest he's not a traditional baseball manager and he's never going to be he's never going to coach that way he's not a gut guy you know so is it basically just get used to it? Cause they're definitely going to replace them with another guy that coaches just like this. I Ben Charrington has a type. I mean, there's some John Farrell, I, I think in, you know, how Derek Shelton approaches the game. It, it would make sense from it in that standpoint. So I, to, to hit on your point. No, I, I think he does do a good job. He has a good system where he can talk to like Oscar and Radley Haydad and be like, what do we do with this pitcher? And Oscar, you know, could give maybe a more emotional support, like response, like, Hey, you know, he's, he's got that dog in him. He's got, you know, fight through this. Like you gotta let him finish this. And Radley could be like, do you know what his splits are against left-handers? You know, who were fastball hitters third time through the order. And he can make, he gives that himself that information. I think that's, you know, how you should approach managing in 2022, 2023. I think you are going to just got to get this kind of manager, you know, you think with both the heart and the head with yeah, it, maybe a little more towards that. the head. And if he, and if there is a way to win over the fan base and that is to win baseball games, I will stand by that. You're, you're probably dead on. Breaking I think news. That's what I was kind of getting at is like, if you're going to get somebody that's going to manage in this fashion, then you might as well get a guy that you know is a nice guy, right? <laughs> and you know is holding the clubhouse together. That's where those intangibles do come together, I think. So I would, I, I would, let me just say one more thing is I would, I would add that I'm really, I want to see how he handles the in-game, in-game stuff more, like with the pitching staff and when he's going to the bullpen and calling for guys in certain situations and see how that looks this year with some better, with some better options down there and see if, if it, if it, if it clicks because he hasn't had, he hasn't had those options. It's blown up. They've overused the bullpen. I'm just looking forward to seeing it kind of more of a complete pitcher in that regard. Makes total sense to me. Let's. I think we've probably bashed this uh, coaching staff enough, and since Alex is going to have to be dealing with lame duck Canada next year, we'll give him a break and uh, move on to the next subject. We'll take a quick break, come back. Let's talk a little bit about the hit rates 
on first round picks. Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Our special guest, Alex Stump, joining us from DK Pittsburgh Sports as well. And we're going to hit him with some fact bombs today. We want to talk about developing prospects and how difficult it really is. And uh, my buddy Craig wrote a really good piece today. I'm going to steal some numbers from him because it's pretty eye-opening. 66% of players on average drafted in the first round will reach the majors. 10% of those will average between one and a half and two and a half war. 10% of that 66, just to be clear. <laughs> That's crazy, right? The percentage of players that will be seen as relative stars or superstars, which is like anything over two and a half war in his eyes, is 17%. And I think about all this stuff, and then I look at Brian Reynolds' war, and I think to myself, how could you consider trading him in the hopes that you might get somebody else's number one pick that has this kind of success rate? And I think that's where I circle all the way back to Brian Reynolds and just why are we even considering this? If it's on the table and potentially there to get done, it just seems to me foolish and destructive to even consider moving him. Round of applause. We made it to the third segment before mentioning Brian Reynolds. Good job, guys. We did. And I'm not going to mention any reports that people have. No fans talking about players. They don't want to give up. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to cite a family guy, old family guy joke here where Peter and Lois listen to the timeshare or something like that. And by doing so, they win a boat. They're like, all right, you win a boat or you can have the box of mystery. Lois is like, oh, of course we're going to take the boat. And Peter's like, wait a minute, a boat's a boat, but the box of mystery could be anything. It, it could even be a boat. So, that's- so it's so perfect. It's so yeah. perfect for this scenario. You could trade Brian Reynolds. You might get anything. You might even get Brian Reynolds out of it. Yeah. I mean, it's the Pittsburgh Pirates are a better team with Brian Reynolds than without him. And yeah, there is an asking point. There is an asking point where if a team is willing to part with everything that the pirates could ever hope for that you do pull the trigger on the trade. They're right that it has to be an astronomical ask because you're not going to a six potential six war outfielders don't grow on trees. And that's what he did in 2021. That's basically what he was on pace for in 2019 before, you know, his September drop off. If he would have had a full season, like it's, this is a guy who is one of the best outfielders in the game. And you need someone like that. And you're not in a position where you have to trade him right now. Request be damned. Like, what's he going to do? Is he going to tank his value? 
and you know make sure that he doesn't make you know what he could in you know the open market someday no he's got to have to go through it so pirates are right that the asking price has to be astronomical for it to happen i mean the thing for me alex is and i think you confirmed this before ben charrington knew that this was going to come out before the winter meetings right that that was so, my yeah that was one of yeah. those like were you stunned by this and he kind of gave like a very yeah, roundabout way of saying no <laughs> and that's what mackie's reported and that's what gordon's yeah. reported you know so yeah. it's not even i'm not even putting it all on your shoulders like for your observation i think i think we have a pretty firm that he knew about it before yeah well i think it's pretty firm that he knew about it when he said that they were going to get better this year too that tells me from the beginning it is not our plan to, to go ahead and capitulate to what this player asked for. So, Jim, I, I'm starting to feel pretty safe. I think he's going to be here come spring. What about you? Well, <clears throat> I think I just saw today it was uh, Jason Mackey said that uh, he's now kind of downgrading his projection to less than 50% that he would be moved by opening day. I think that's what I saw. Um, yeah, just last week on our show, I think he said, what, yeah. 75%, right? So. Right. And, to, and, and listen, to be fair, things change. Now, to be fair, he's on with Pony. So he's probably changing his percentage knowing that Pony's going to tweet out a different number. Yeah, he's got a he's got a factor in Pony's uh, crazy math after it's done, right? So, um, I still think it might get done. That's just me. Um, the pirates seem to certainly be listening. Um, I hope it doesn't get done, a- Alex. I would ask you, and you know. Okay, just, yeah, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. I mean, do you think that there's any chance this thing comes back around and cooler heads prevail, or has this has this train left the station? I mean, anything could happen. If this year really, maybe this year they have an Orioles-type season, and Brian Reynolds realizes that, you know, he actually really does like Pittsburgh – and pirates come by and they're like, look, we're, we're going to give you, here's a better offer. Here's not, you know, the, the reported from John Heyman over 75 million, which I think today he, he put out as like about 76 million. It's like, oh, so it's 75 million. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you for clarifying. John. Yeah. Well, I, I actually, yes. Thank you for clarifying because anything could be over 75 million. It could even be a boat. So <laughs> it's beautiful. It's. I don't want to 100% close the door, but I don't see it ever happening. I think this marriage ends in a trade. And I don't think it's necessarily going to happen opening day. And I've put this out at Insider also. like It was important for Charrington to know back in 2020, 2021, do I have Joe Musgrove? Do I have Starling Marte? Let's get these trades done before February so I know who's going into camp. So not to say that is going to be applied here to Brian Reynolds, but we have precedent here. That's really important here. So I I think they're talking. I know they're talking. 
So whenever that's happening, you can't say, well, like it's, it's not going to happen, but it's, I would say there's a better chance that Brian Reynolds is on this, that we have a conversation, all the traveling media with him. You know, that first day he reports to Bradenton and boy, oh boy, is that going to be the top story on DK Pittsburgh sports that day? Then not. Yeah. Sure. Everybody's going to ask the question. He's going to answer it the way he always does. You know, I'm intrigued about this one. Brian is not the most talkative guy also, but he's also not the type of guy to mince words. Right. So we, yeah. we might, we might get, that might be a, or not a might, whatever he says coming into camp, whether it's with the Pirates or with another club, absolutely is going to be one of the biggest baseball stories of all spring. Sure. I mean, and let's let's not bury the lead here again on this third segment here about these the, these statistics that our buddy Craig dug up because yeah, I, I was mean, going to get back into them a little <laughs> bit because he he pretty much was looking at like uh, you can't evaluate guys that haven't gotten here yet, so he took like 2013 to 2017 basically just the first round picks and the comp pick, and he's got it tallied up at five busts. Two successes and one star. The star is Hayes based on war. Kevin Newman was one of the successes. <laughs> if you think about it. I mean, it, it's really not good. It, at the end of the day, as much as it's about money here, it's about this too. It's about the fact that they really don't hit on a lot of these first round picks. And you, you don't really, you're not really to the point where you can blame this regime yet. We're just getting to the point where his number one picks might make it this year, right? A couple of them. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a sidetrack here, a, a little bit, and tie back to what you know we were talking about with you know Andy and Henry Davis aren't going to be on the opening day team because I talked to an agent once and he brought up something very similar to what Craig said. Like you know what the odds are that you know this player is even going to reach arbitration, you know, service time as a first round pick, like it's not a slam dunk. And he's like, I have had guys who they, they screwed around, you know, trying to get that extra and they just never recovered. I like in my heart of hearts, I know he would have been a different ball player if he would have been up just with the opening day team, but they got cute and they screwed around. So I'm going to just throw that out there with, you know, regards of what we talked about this last segment about, the talent that is in this organization right now in regards to where it means for Derek Shelton, where it means for Brian Reynolds. I think that's the only way that the Brian Reynolds has a pirates have a happy ending. It starts with the pirates being really good, really quick. And that probably means Andy Rodriguez over Jason delay or Tyler Heineman on the major league roster. If, if any shows yeah. in, you know, spring training that he's earned a spot. I mean, I don't see that happening, but <laughs> I, I mean, it's exactly not happening. We, we have the manager saying it's not happening. So it, there's no speculation here. I mean, Jim, we talked about these numbers earlier. And the one that I know that really popped your eyes out, mm-hmm. all of those picks from 2013 to 2017 add up to a grand total of 20.5 war in 19 years of service time. That's approximately 1.1 war per season. Ouch. Now, this group has to be more special than that, right? That's really well, what we get to judge Charrington on because you, well, you can't really judge him on spending here. I mean, they have to be 
better and i don't know can you be worse i i, I mean like the the bars the bar is not very high to 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 meet those expectations but i mean look there's no way a quote unquote small market team can do this without being good at hitting at least it's on your on on a couple of your high yeah. pay. i mean you got how else are you going to do it I mean, it's got to start there. You've got to get impact guys. You've got to develop those impact players, and they've got to be someone that's sitting in, you know, your dugout within two, three years, in my opinion. Um, the number and, one pick, at least, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forcing their way, like saying, we're, we're so good, you can no longer physically hold us in the minors. I mean, they... I mean, they so, Alex, you know, you just saw... I think it was Baseball America said that Henry Davis was one of the most overrated prospects in the in the MLB.com, and I'm just going. Was it MLB? Okay, so he. What he a way to promote your product, huh? He was hurt a lot last year, right? So I mean, like, I'm just wondering what are they basing that on? Because when he played, I thought he played all right. You know, I mean, are, are they basing it off of will Henry Davis be Carlos Correa? You know, like is that one one? You know, type of guy. Is that what their definition of overrated is? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want ankle problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me put it like this. I have yet to hear someone who looks at Henry Davis and they're like, ah, screw that guy. Like it, the worst I've heard is like, this guy's going to be a good ball player. Well, is it, is it because it's judging it, off one of one? Like we're judging. I, I, I guess it has to be the fact that, you know, he was so high on the, on so many top one hundreds. I think, Maybe there's still, you know, scouts and people who are like, or Baseball America, MOB top people, like, why didn't they take Marcelo Mayer or Jordan Lawler or something like that? There's just like a lot of, I don't know. I don't get it. I think it's ridiculous to say a player is overrated before he has set foot on a major league stadium. I think that is the stupidest thing that you can do, you know, for a player. I, I just and didn't I will understand. Also, I also say what Nolan Henry. That that could be uh he's he's not gonna care what they say there, but I I feel like that might be the type of thing that's like I'm gonna lodge this in the back of my head. You know, just remember I would this. think I would think so. If I'm if I'm a prospect and I, I barely played even a full season of minor league ball and I got someone saying that I'm overrated, I'm laughing it off because I mean you're playing with guys that have been in the system for six, seven years. I mean, you know what, what, what you look like in comparison to them and where you fit in and how you got there. It's, it's silly beyond silly, especially for a guy that's had the, the things happen to him. That's happened, which is really kind of like, he's had some really bad luck since mm -hmm. he's been in the minors you know i mean he's getting hit a ton he's had the hand was it the hand the wrist uh mm -hmm. came back so, whenever it wasn't 100 percent. yeah i mean just some 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 fluky stuff and still didn't embarrass himself by the way so um you know am i concerned gary we talked about this before alex jumped on just uh, uh while we were waiting for him to get through traffic supposedly i don't know if that's <laughs> exactly true or not but uh, all the dirty laundry He's door dashing on the side in the off season. He's door dashing. So I get uh, it. Well, you know, we talked about this. My concern is, is where is the ceiling with Henry Davis? I don't know that it's a super high one. 
but there's a safer floor to him maybe. Um, It'll be interesting to see how that gets judged later if it does work out that way. Um, But overrated at this point, silly. Let's talk about somebody else who could happen to pad these numbers a little bit because we got another number one pick that, boy, every way I look at it, it looks like the Pirates are ready to waste. Travis Swaggerty. I don't see him making the team. I don't see a spot for him. I'm not even sure if he gets a lot of playing time in AAA, if I'm really honest with you. Um, they've got some players they need to get eyes on that <laughs> they didn't protect this year, but they have to know next year. Matt Gorski, Matt Frazier. You got to start working through some of those guys too. So, I mean, Alex, I know he's another guy you felt had a floor of kind of being a fourth outfielder, right? Yeah. I think that's still reasonable. You know, I'm not even it's, saying it's not, but yeah, where does he fit? That's a damn good question because last year we know they obviously brought up a lot of outfielders over the course of the year. He even got a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. I talked to him in September and I said, like, what what you take away from that cameo? He's like, I'm going to be honest with you. It was, what, like 11 at-bats? I don't know how much I could really take from a major league game out there. I was here a couple days. It's not like I could get into a real routine or anything. I'm learning stuff and then I'm sent back down to Indy. And I'm like, okay, what do you, they have you working on? I was like, they really didn't give me a long list of stuff. Like, I'm working on bunting. And whenever a former number one pick says, the organization told you <laughs> to work on bunting, that was my red flag. Like, oh, okay, wait a minute. Something's – yeah. This, this guy might not be – It was a weird – He might have been lapped by some of these other, you know, type of players. And it's one thing for like a Jack Sawinski, you know, who, who had a really nice year last year and proved that he can – hold his own against major league hitting it's another whenever it's you know blime address sure yeah like that's uh i i like why he's a great dude but it's like one of those ye, if if you're first I, I draft think that's pick where and guys getting a long look and you're not that says something he's a number one pick they've managed to allow him to continue to take up a 40 man spot while they're seemingly not giving him any place to play Keeping him on the 40-man makes me feel like they want to give him a shot. But everything inside of of what the team does tells me they don't. I can't see him passing Cal Mitchell. I can't see him passing Cannon Smith and Jigba. I can't see him passing Jack Sawinski. He's not going to pass Connor Joe. I doubt he passes Andujar. And I'm not sure he's going to push his way past them either. So it's not like it's all the pirates doing, you know, and he's hard done by. He's not doing anything extra special either. No, it was a pretty mid year in AAA. I mean, frankly, I mean, like there's some good things towards the end, but just overall, like what he showed in, say, 2021 at the alternate site versus what he showed in 2022, I think he would have just come up in 2021. Like, they might have just said, we're done with Kaye Tom, here's Travis Swaggerty, if he hadn't gotten hurt. And maybe that does change the whole career arc of what he does here with the Pirates, but... That's a great that, point. That, that seemed to be the time, right, that 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 would have made sense. And I think he had a shot early, early in last year, too, and then he got something tweaked in spring. Still wasn't right with the shoulder. His shoulder, right? yeah. Yeah, that was... Uh, and so he wasn't really able to fly from the get-go there either 
And you but know, maybe maybe we're reading it wrong. They'll show up the spring, and he's obviously top of the pecking order. Who knows? But I don't see how I don't see how all three of us could be reading this so wrong. Like I don't yeah. know how. Not to say that a forty man roster is ordered by like where you are on that forty man you know totem pole, but I I feel like he's not that far away from being one of the guys who is you know DFA'd or let go. And I have to wonder if the Pirates had any belief that he could maybe sneak through waivers. He one hundred percent wouldn't. But if they if they thought he would, would he be on this forty man roster right now? I don't think he would. If if they just had some way that they could outright him, or if they yeah. knew he wouldn't be taken in Rule well, Five a couple years ago. There's even the question too of like when you get to spring training and you know you're you're finding at bats for people. Does he even get that? A decent look. I don't know that there's even a lot of time for that. I mean, those spring training at bats aren't created equal. I mean, there's a big difference between starting and coming in in like the sixth inning of a split squad yeah. game. Right. And they probably are bringing back, back uh, split squad games this year, right? There are split squad games, yeah. Yeah. Those are the best kinda, days. Those are the, yeah. I, I'm not traveling days. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot to think about with, with that because we, we don't want Brian Reynolds traded because there isn't anything close to him in the outfield yet. No, but we can't find a spot for a number one pick who's dying on the vine. And that should tell you something about, really how far down the depth chart he is. We're, we're rapid fire here. I'm going to give you two names. You tell me which guy you would rather get at bats. Bay or Swaggerty? Bay. Swinsky or Swaggerty? Swinsky. Swinsky. Castro or Swaggerty? Castro. Castro. I mean, it's it's kind I've of coming. This to, too. <laughs> yeah, it's like we, we could go through it and... Like, I could easily tell you I'd rather get him at bats than... Um, Connor Joe or Ant Duhar, yeah. but unfortunately yeah. he's not right-handed. You know, and I know what they're here for. So I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. And Bay's my starting center fielder. It's hard, so, I mean, to, <laughs> but you know, like saying. Gary, you mentioned, like they they they've used a roster spot on him for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's kind of weird to maybe forecast that just ending unceremoniously with him being, you know, essentially released, but I don't know. It's hard. It's, it's a possibility. I don't know. feels like they made this decision when they decided to um, not worry about the fact that they, that they didn't put Cal Mitchell on the 40 man and jump him and Kanan Smith and Jigba both up to the league at the same time, pretty much. That's when it felt to me like Travis got skipped. And I know he got that the nine at bats in there somewhere, but that was a joke of a call up. And like even his wife was like, "What? What happened?" <laughs> like, you know. And I, I was almost tr- I was trying to make like medical excuses for him, like maybe there was something personal going on because it was that weird. That's how how off guard it took me that they sent him right back down like that and didn't give him much opportunity while he was here. I mean, he was called up because Castro was being punished and demoted. But that doesn't mean that, you know, he just hangs around a bit and then gets sent back down yeah. with it. Like, this could yeah, be there has to be some as, sort of foresight with that. This could be as simple as, you know, Charrington doesn't like what he sees. 
You know I mean, what? Again, you know what? I'm he got at, rid I'm of looking at his stats, and I don't like what I see. He got rid of Cole Tucker, who was a first round draft pick. He got rid of Will Craig, who was a first round draft pick. He, I mean, that's not to say Ben is you know doing a I have to win with my guys type of thing, but look at this roster. How many of them are players that he inherited? Like, is it literally like five players on the forty man roster at this point? Right. Yeah. And yeah. and the the odd part about it was is just like if you've called him up, you know, it's like for three. Three ga- three games worth. I'd have just played him. I mean, like yes. they were already using damn near seventy guys last year. It just seems weird that you wouldn't just let him play for those few games. And then okay, it, that but that didn't even really happen. It's strange. Who knows, guys? So Alex, you're going to be going down to spring training here. We they just announced that pitchers and catchers are going down on the fifteenth. What what are you looking forward to most besides uh, getting a chance to grill Brian Reynolds? Uh, that there are just some stories that I've really been looking forward to. I was teased a couple at the end of last year. That's like, Hey, you know, in spring training, like, let's, let's do this. It's like, okay, let's, let's actually do that. Getting to know some of these younger players a little better, see them day to day rather than just like a trip out to Altoona, hopefully write a couple stories on that. I, I'm going to work. Personal goal is to write something on Endy. That kind of like, whatever he does get called up, not opening day, I could just retweet that again and be like, I wrote everything that I could write about Eddie Rodriguez right here. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'm looking forward to some of the stories I've got right down there. I can't wait, man. I'm going to hold you to this because even though you didn't agree to it, I'm going to make you agree. You're going to check in with us from, from down there, right? Well, you're just a, just a little, little check-in, Alex. That's all we ask. <laughs> all right. I'll, I'll, work <laughs> you too, I will. Buses, I'll work around the buses and the caravans, and they're probably going to throw a Pirates Fest down there, you know, because they won't do one up here. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> that would – oh, my God. Um, I, mean, I it is an advise not to comment on the matter. <laughs> it is It is an anniversary for um, – old McKechnie field down there. So I know Lee calm park. Now it is an anniversary for that place. So I think it's 50 years this year. So, but on cool. a serious note, on a serious note though, when we get to that point, just even getting, just even getting to touch base with you down there, man, we're fiending for it at that point. So it's always good to hear from you then. Right. We'd be happy to do. It. All right. Well, if you run into Travis Swaggerty, buy him a beer for me and say, I'm sorry. Cause I, I've been talking <laughs> bad about him for a while so um anyways hey thanks for joining the show alex it was really great yeah, thanks, and buddy. uh we love getting that firsthand knowledge and i can't wait until you're back in locker rooms learning stuff again instead of making phone calls learning stuff i'm looking forward to that too that's a lot more fun appreciate Good you stuff. guys having me on thanks Jim, buddy anything else to add brother no, man, I'm good. Let's get out of here. All right, guys. Hey, full disclosure here. It's Gary and Jim with you. We're tacking on this segment to this show because uh, early Friday morning, news broke that the Pirates signed Andrew McCutcheon for one year, and we just could not have this show come out on Saturday without saying something about it. So, Jim, initial thoughts, man. Yeah, isn't it funny? Of course, as soon as we're done recording, this comes out. But I'm not going to complain. It's it's a cool thing to talk about, Gary. Um, yeah, I mean, like, listen, my initial reaction is, is, 
you know, good for the fans. Good for the fans of Pittsburgh. Um, there's a lot of people that uh, hold Andrew McCutcheon in some really high regard around here. And it's their favorite player. And for him to be back on the team um, in whatever capacity that it is, and I would caution people to think it's going to be a huge, huge role. But uh, it, it, uh, there's no way to spin it other than that I think it's a really good thing. It's a cool thing to see. Yeah, it's definitely cool to see, man. It, um, I'm not going to go as far as to say it's like, you know, Lemieux coming out of retirement. But <laughs> no, but it's it's a big deal here, I think. Um, I think for the for the fans in general to to get to see him play again here in Pittsburgh. Um, set some pretty big records, arguably, you know, for hits and and home runs potentially this year in a Pirates uniform. I think that's important for the, for his legacy here. And I think when they put him in that Hall of Fame out in center field as the only deserving modern member of the Pittsburgh Pirates, it's going to um, mean something. And it might mean a little more now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and who knew when um, I know you had wrote something about him, um, perhaps potentially it would kind of be an interesting thing to have him come back. I happened to look just on a whim back in like August about some of his career milestones that he has coming up. And he's not going to be, look, he's not going to be a Hall of Fame baseball player, you know, but he's going to end up having a very, very, very good career overall to say nothing of what he means to the Pittsburgh Pirates organization and their fan base. I mean, he's going to, he's got a good chance outside shot to hit 300 homers in a pirate uniform. He's going to get a thousand RBIs in a pirate uniform. He's 70, 65 hits away from 2000. He's coming up on 400 doubles. I think he's one triple away from 50. He's close to a thousand walks. He can hit all those as a member of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And that, I mean, that, to me, th- that that means something. In today's day and age, yeah. that means something. I mean, the dude's, uh, I mean, he embraced this town. You know, he ain't from here, but he's a Pittsburgher now. Yep. His name's Steele, for God's sake. <laughs> like, this dude loves it here. Yeah, he's still involved in this community, and it's just a good story all around. I know there's a lot of baseball purists out there that are going to be quick to point out that he's not the same man Drew McCutcheon. I think we all know that. I think we all embrace that. But I also think there's a role for him on this team. I think he'll play it well. And uh, no matter how you look at it, it's a good move, I think, for relations with the city. Like they've made some mistakes, and they are on the cusp of potentially making another one. Maybe this is a sign that they're trying to think a little bit more, you know? Yeah, I mean, hopefully hopefully it's not a precursor to good news, bad news, but uh, that's going to play out on its own regardless. Um you know, uh, looking from it from a pure baseball standpoint, what what is it going to mean to the Pirates? Probably not a ton wins and losses, um, but he is a right-handed bat, 
And he has hit lefties extremely well over his career. Extremely well. 700 OPS against lefties. So, I mean, it, yeah. it's, it, it's, he, you know, and um, yeah, he's not going to be the same player and, and he's not going to play every day, nor should he. But I think it makes it interesting for guys like Jack Sawinski, maybe if, if, if they're not, convinced that he can be that full everyday guy that you could kind of pair those two up a little bit. Um, so just from a baseball perspective, from a winning perspective, he's been here. He knows what that takes. And um, I think those are all positives. Yeah, man. Hey, so good stuff. We just wanted to tack this on at the end and make sure that it didn't go unsaid because uh, it's a big story, you know? Yeah, and and, and and let people let people enjoy it, man. If it's your favorite player, and he's coming back to play for your favorite team, I mean, that's really cool, man. I don't care if you're ten years old or fifty years old. That's still a cool thing that we don't get to do a lot and enjoy in sports, Gary. Right, man. And uh, I don't, you know, matter how you feel about the move, um, even if it's in the inside of you. You'll smile a little bit when you hear his name, right. PA man, and and you see him in the uniform. It, it's still gonna, it's still gonna feel good. And isn't that really what sports is about? A little bit, make us feel good. <laughs> definitely, definitely like pirate it. fans. That's for sure. Yeah. So hey, let's go ahead and give the show away again here. Ben, take it away. Yeah, you're right.